Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter, Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges and subscribe to us wherever you listen. And you really should go check out our new YouTube channel, which is not so new. But now we're promoting it. And subscribe, please. And as always, make sure you read the scoring criteria because we talk judging and MMA. That we do. Do a little bit of that. Let's not do that today. Let's just talk about something else. <laughs> let's let's talk about like like the Supreme Court judging. Well, no, no, stop, stop, no, no, all right. no, all right. no. Lay off that one. Um, way too complicated. But uh, yeah, I should point out though, I, I highlighted again our YouTube channel, which is I'm now doing instead of telling us telling everybody to give five star reviews. We're done with that. You're not going to do it anyway. Whatever. Like nope. and subscribe. Like and subscribe. That's the new thing. Like and subscribe. But also, we should point out that uh, Podbean kind of let us down our our uh, our hosting yes. service in not putting up our YouTube edition properly last week uh, in in uh, in the appropriate time. Well, yeah. So it auto generates the video and then it auto publishes to YouTube, and it it didn't do either. <laughs> and then it did. You can see how that'd be a problem. And then after I got into contact with support. Magically, the video was there in 15 minutes. Hmm. So something must have happened. Hopefully, it doesn't happen again today. Mice chewing through the wires. So I guess, yeah, it must I, have been. That is my assumption. <laughs> I think that's probably how all the ills of the world uh, come about. Usually, everything mice hmm. chewing through wires <laughs> through human history. Back in back way before there were wires, that's what was happening. Anyway, um, busy fight weekend. Yeah, we had PFL. We had UFC. This is the last time we'll have PFL for at least a month or two. Um, probably like six weeks or so. And so we will <laughs> actually have it even more busy next weekend, but next week it'll start busy. to calm down a little more soon. Uh, the main focus, of course, is the UFC. It was actually a pretty solidly built card, a very long one, too, a very 14 fights. Um, and if, they, they were heavy, quick paced, I should say. They were heavy on the, let's just get next next fight out. You're not it wrong, like, so. but it also felt like this card just lasted like an eternity. Just because it did, like because there were fourteen. You know fights. what? I wanted to say a main card that starts at eight thirty and it was a quarter to eleven. I'm like, this is running long, right? Yeah. Why is it? Why is it so long? We started at eight thirty. Well, it ended almost midnight, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but when you got every other fighter is either retiring or fake retiring, it was kind of hard to. Yeah. Um. You know, a little bit of slowdown, I guess, but whatever. We do want to highlight a couple of big, like, let's call them bigger or more interesting things coming out of the weekend. More importantly, most importantly, Max Holloway getting the win over Arnold Allen in the main event. This is the fight everyone's been looking forward to for a little while. This is one of those fight night main events that you don't want to miss. There's some of them coming up in the next couple of weeks where maybe you can miss, but this wasn't one of them. And I, yeah, I think it was a solid fight. I don't think it was you know, fight of the year type of thing. But Max Holloway looked solid, goes out there, gets the job done kind of in an atypical way against Arnold Allen. Yeah, he had a fight a little different style than he's used to, it seemed like. And I think he adjusted well. It, it wasn't it wasn't the type of performance that sets it on fire. And I think I saw at least several, I don't know how many I saw, but I saw some people on social media, let's say, starting to be like, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe we're not seeing the same Max Holloway anymore. And maybe you're not because the guy's been fighting forever and he's absorbed like 3,000 hits or he's given out 3,000. He's landed 3,000, yeah. but absorbed 1,500. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he takes a bunch. Um, <laughs> but I mean, he's not 
He he took some good shots from Arnold Allen and kind of just rolled with them. He did okay in there. I think he probably silenced a few concerns about how does he take, you know, heavy strikes, that kind of thing, you know, after all the punishment he has absorbed. So I thought it was a good performance. You know, he comes out for another win. He is no closer to getting a title shot unless Yair Rodriguez ends up getting the job done against Alexander Volkanovsky when they fight. So nothing really changes there. And that would there. be interesting. Yeah, it would be. It would, I mean, he's already beaten Yair. I think you'd have to put him. I mean, yeah. the, it gets weird, though, because do you just be like, well, Volkanovsky doesn't get another shot. <laughs> he's been the champ for a long time. I don't know. I guess, let's save that for another day, right? Um, the question I would have for you is, because he made this, I don't know if it was a call out. I think it was more of a suggestion of like, man, haven't we done this? Before? How have we not had this fight before? Maybe we should. Is do we give him Korean zombie to just feast upon? Because let's face it, I don't think that's a good matchup. At least I, I don't. I right thought now. he retired. No. So no, he didn't. He, no. I think he's got one more fight in him is what the goal was. I think <sighs> they were trying to have him fight. He was supposed to fight, if I'm not mistaken, in South Korea. Oh. On that card that ended up getting yeah. moved and stayed at super late time, mm. which you absolutely hated. Um, I believe that was a, a supposed to be a Korean zombie fight, and when it didn't, when it fell through, because okay. as That's I possible. Under, as I understand it, based on uh, the reporting of John Hanko over in South Korea, a good reporter for uh, um, called the All the All Star. What, what's the name of the something with the morning morning what? show, South no. Korean morning show, something like that. So, uh, South China uh, Morning News, but that uh, oh. I believe he's on something. He works for something else as well. But um, nonetheless, oh. um, he, if I'm not mistaken, was reporting that it was kind of the idea of like, well, without him, there's not really a draw at the box office. So they kind of had to like pull the plug. I don't know if that was his read or if that was like a report or what, but I, I could swear it came from JHK. Shout yeah. out to JHK. So let's start the event good, at 1 a.m. <laughs> I got to rehash that one. Um, but yeah, I guess the question is, do we give Max Holloway what he kind of was, I don't know if he was asking for, but sort of suggesting, or do you have a better better alternative, sir? Well, it makes me nervous. We saw Max Holloway put a hellacious beating on Calvin Cater. We saw him do it to Brian Ortega. Mm-hmm. We just saw Volkanovski destroy Chan Sung Jung. I think, I think Max would, would do the same or worse. Yeah, I'd be so, very worried about that. I don't like that matchup at all. But what's your alternative? What does Max Holloway get next? Uh... I have an idea, but I'm, I'll, I'll see if you have anything first. I'll defer. Maybe. No, because that don't make sense because he just came on. He's coming off a, a loss. I tell you what, why don't I give my, my yeah. suggestion? Because I think you're actually going to see the logic here. Good. Edson Barboza. That would be fun. Coming off of a win right here. Yeah. Looked really good. Got a nice finish of uh, Billy Quarantillo. And it, I think that's a matchup where the numbers aren't really going to matter because Max is like... Not getting a title shot, regardless. There's no, so, yeah, it really doesn't. Like he, he's gonna have to fight down in the rankings, like several spots anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go, if you go down and you skip to the next guy who he has not faced, I believe in the rankings as of you know Sunday night, I believe it is Josh Emmett. Yeah, Josh. Josh and Emmett. I don't, I don't know that we need that fight next because I mean Emmett's coming off a loss anyway, and and I think it'd be more interesting to put. Holloway against another fascinating striker in Edson Barboza. That would be fun, I, I, right? Because the the book on the book on uh, Edson is pressure him, sure, which Max does better than anybody, sure, and and so absolutely interesting. Absolutely, it kind of would shape up to be. I mean, 
let's face it, there's not a whole lot of people Max Holloway is going to enter the cage at, especially at 45, and you're not going to expect him to win. You know, this this fight against uh, Allen, at least, I think was interesting for a lot of people. But I was, you know, people would ask me, hey, what do you think? And, you know, I'd say, listen, I think Allen's dangerous, but like, it's hard for me to pick against Max Holloway at this point, unless he's fighting Alexander Volkanovsky. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with that. I, I don't think it's going to be any different. I think just just make a matchup. This is this is Barboza. He's been around a long time. It's a fight that people would have fun with, and I, I, I like that one, so I'm going to put that out there. Yeah, someone uh, tells Sean Shelby, or does he do the 45, or does McMahon do 45? Well, it certainly looks like it's Ant uh-huh. Evans who actually oh, does Aunt that. Evans. No, 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 no. He, isn't, he doesn't actually, but Ant oh. Evans is, is like the anti-flyweight uh, oh. guy out there, and it certainly looks like he's the one booking it because, segue, what is the deal with putting Brandon Royval and Mateus Nicolau on... Not just the prelims, but like it wasn't even the featured prelim. It was just like just got buried. It just got buried in the middle on the prelims. And it was a fight that I think not only was everybody looking forward to, but I think everyone kind of knew this fight had championship picture implications. Coleman. This is a Coleman. I mean, shoot, you could put this atop a fight night card and it's Mm -hmm. probably going to be better than half the ones that they tend to put out there anyway. I have no idea what it was doing there. and, And at least they owned up to it. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. Dana, Dana things, said but... said we effed yeah. up, but like, what I what I don't understand is okay. You're saying that now, but like, we all knew that before too. If you're Dana yeah. White, can't you just be like, yo, move that up? Yeah, you have to move. Who's? Up. I mean, at what point does he just start intervening and be like, why is this here? Put move this up. Like, if this was a pay per view, there's no way that that wouldn't be on the pay per view portion. Unless you're trying to get I can people see, to buy look, it. No, I can see that being the featured prelim. Or a featured prelim. But again, yeah. this wasn't even the featured prelim of a fight yeah. night card. It was weird. It was bizarre. It made no sense. And it ended up being fireworks like we all expected. It, Brandon uh, Royval got the win. I will say this. Leave it to Mateus Nicolau to keep a Brandon Royval fight kind of slow. Early. But it, but at least he got, so, the, got the job done. He, I mean, you can't think, contain yeah. Brandon Royval. He. Oh, you can't. Continue. I think he had the one fight where it went to di- went the distance, and it wasn't like the most entertaining of fights. But like, it's also on a Brandon Royval scale, which is like you know almost on like a reverse curve, mm-hmm. where it's like everything is supposed to be awesome, or it's basically not curved. You know, you you know what I mean? Just go crazy. Yeah, but I don't know if you got to see this. They I I kind of leave the post fight show on sometimes when I'm mm-hmm. when this event's over because I just don't change the channel. And so the ESPN Plus post fight show comes on, so they'll they'll show like back the st- back the uh, behind the stage behind the scenes, I guess interviews mm-hmm. of athletes afterward. And they talked to Brandon Royval. It was a uh, Heidi Andrel doing the interviews. They talked to her or him. She talked to, to him, and he was talking about how he was really campaigning to get off the prelims. He really tried hard to get on the main card. And the reason was, did you hear this? Did you hear the, what he I said? I heard, yeah, you yeah. Heard, you saw what I said, probably, yeah. is, uh, and I don't know if anybody else saw this, but it was that Brandon Royval has brothers who are incarcerated, and in the facilities in which they are housed, they, uh, I guess, don't have access to ESPN+. Plus. They have access to ESPN. If he's on main ESPN channel, they can watch his fights, and if they, if he's not... And they can't. So there's a there's a more there's a more tragic element to this too. It's not like they should be booking his fights on there all the time because of that situation, but also it made all the sense in the world to do it anyway. So when you hear that this was something that happened as a result of it, it's more than just like, oh, you know, it doesn't matter if they put it there. It's okay. Who cares about card placement? It's like, well, it definitely matters to this man for like a very real and human reason. So 
Yeah, card placement matters because people don't even show up to the arena <laughs> until the main card. They, they, so, I think they did all right in Kansas City. I will give them this much because I, at some point, I tweeted out during the broadcast, Missouri doesn't need another card for a while, uh, which was prompted by the fact that they were booing I saw, I saw. that fight between uh, Chris Gutierrez I, and Pedro Munoz, which I thought was a perfectly fine technical fight. I do not mind people booing fights. It's an entertainment product. I don't care. If you don't like it and you're booing it, that's fine. I didn't like the flashlights on the phones waving. Not a fan of that. I don't it could be distracting. Oh, that happens all the so, time, dude. That's that's not even Really? Oh, I've yeah. never seen it before. No, dude, it's it's very, very, very like common now. In boring fights that they don't like? Yeah. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. I Better than never the woo. noticed. The it. woo seems to have died. Should I have even said that? Woo could... never die. I will woo till kingdom come. I'm glad you can't afford to go to these UFCs now. Well, that was mean. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize. That was a little too far. (laughs) Can't wait to woo in in Newark. (laughs) Gonna show out now for two seconds. (laughs) I I hope I'm close enough to Media Row. I'll woo all night. I forgot you did get tickets. I'm glad. I don't know where I'm sitting now, so we'll find out. Fight night. If if I hear one woo, I don't care if it's you or not, I'm blaming you. Oh, I'm going to get it going. All right, but I mean that was enough of the UFC. I, 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 otherwise, it's it is stupid. Put Royville on the card. At least he got his bonus because at some point, I think it was when um, Barboza got yeah. the finish with the knee. Yep. He's like, "Well, there goes my bonus." And then the UFC ended up uh, extra bonuses this time, so Royville did still get one. I was they like, did "Extra, on. extra bonuses." Did you see? I did your hashtag, by the way. No, oh, did bonus you? Bonus for Royville. Okay, yeah, no, I, did I didn't that. see it, but I did. I saw I it when did I did that, it. I, there's literally one person on the internet who actually understands that. It's you. Because okay. you're the one who started it, and you missed it. But I put it out too. Did you? Yeah. No, you didn't see mine. You got to promote. See it. You got to interact it. with it. That's, that's how the algorithm works. You got to interact with it oh. to make it get out there. I don't know how these algorithms work. I don't know. They're all made to get Elon friends. But anyway, <laughs> um, PFL because there was PFL as well mm-hmm. Friday night, like we talked about. Now I know you didn't watch much more than kind of the requisite for this show. Um. But they had the you know the lightweight and the welterweight divisions out there to finish out mm-hmm. the first leg of the season. I look at the lightweight division of PFL as the most interesting okay. of the six, um, and I don't think it's particularly close. I think they have some really interesting talents there. Having said that, all the fights went to a decision. So in the PFL, if you win a decision, you get three points. If you lose, you get zero. So nobody okay. has more than three points. Usually you'd get four or five or six if somebody had a finish in rounds uh Right. Yeah, three, two, or one, mm-hmm. respectively. But that did not happen here. Everybody's still in it, including uh, their the new signee Shane Burgos, who did not win his his uh, fight against mm-hmm. Olivier Aubin Mercier. In I guess they they're calling this the main card internally, but it it's called the opening card if you go on ESPN Plus. And then they had a sort of post limbs, which is called on ESPN Plus the main card. Yeah, it, it was, was a very weird structure, and like they weren't clear about it. It just kind of happened. We all had to figure it out on our own. It was very weird, but I mean, I guess that's kind of common theme. The, yeah. The question, though, I would have had for you, and I guess you don't really have a good answer, but who is the favorite in PFL's lightweight division? I, I'll, I'll ask you anyway. But Olivier Aubin Mercier. Okay. Well, I mean, it makes sense. He's the reigning champion. I think he's probably the most accomplished of all of them, even outside although, of that. Although I am a fan of. Uh, Natanshul. So okay, okay. I was gonna say I, my pick for this year, if I was to make a pick and stick with it, especially based on what we've seen so far, is I think Clay Collard. Okay, is the guy to beat. I think he's been in the mix 
for a few years now. Realistically, probably should have gotten into the playoffs last year, and the scorecards did not go his way um, in a very disappointing way last year. But I, I like his chances this year. I think he can do it. He's got really good hands. I think I think he can get it done. And he's fun to watch. Okay. He's always fun to watch. Too. Right. Um, real quick questions before we get into the judging here. Yes or no's. We're going to fly through these, hopefully. Should Dana White be mad at Clay Guida for faking a retirement announcement? Oh, I can see someone being annoyed. I don't Say know yes I, or no. I don't know if he'd be mad. You're Great. on. The, you're on the stand, sir. Yes or no? I'd lean yeah. All right. Can Jillian Robertson become a title contender at 115 pounds? I think so, for sure. Does Daniel Zellhuber excite you as a prospect? He was. He, he was pretty cool. Yeah. You, you managed to answer all three of these questions without saying just yes or no. I'm impressed. What are you gonna do? This is this was not a lightning round that went well. <laughs> Disappointed. Anyway, the <laughs> oh, I guess I should answer them too. Um, should Dana have been mad? No. Can Jillian Robinson become a contender at 115? Yes. Does Daniel Zahuber excite you as a prospect? Yes. Okay. Cool. Easy. See. Yeah, but they're more open-ended than yes or no. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, there were uh, 28 rounds scored among the uh, 14 fights at UFC over the weekend. 21 of them ended up being unanimous, so 75%. Nice, solid percentage there. Two of them were 8-9 splits. PFL 3, the uh, swan song in in, uh, Las Vegas, at least for this season, it would seem, had a really impressive number. 20 out of 22, or 90.1%. Unanimous. Um, I think that speaks to two things. One being that the judges in Nevada that work Nevada and travel to Nevada are top notch. And mm-hmm. number two, um, these fights weren't well matched <laughs> <laughs> or they didn't work out as well as we thought they would too. In some cases, I think we thought some of these would be closer, but then I don't know. I, don't know, I, I looked at some of the, uh, the betters out there that, you know, show up in mm-hmm. my timeline and it seemed like they were just rolling it all night. I'm like, okay, I guess maybe this is more predictable than maybe thought. <laughs> but anyway, and there was one eight, nine split in that one as well. So when you really get down to it out of 50 rounds, Five zero out of these two events, there were forty one unanimous rounds, and th- only nine or well, three out of the nine were eight nine splits. So hmm. it's only six times they couldn't agree on the winner of the round. Not too shabby on that's the whole. Pretty good. Now that's just numbers, you know. Numbers are are one thing. They don't. They, you know, they can say something really good. They can say something bad. You have to kind of dive into it like we always do, right? In like contested this. rounds. Yeah. But not only that. We're going to lead with, in an orthodox way for us, we're going to lead with one of the rounds that had, it, it was all agreement. It was a unanimous round. We don't do this a lot. We don't like to do this because we tend to, uh, as you said on on Twitter, my friend, you said that we tended to defer to the judges. Mm-hmm. This fight in particular, we wanted to dive a little deeper because it's one that a lot of people were talking about, number one. And number two, it featured three judges who we never talk about on this show. They don't have the same level of, let's say, um, credibility or trust with at least you and me. You know, that's not to say they're not trustworthy in and of themselves. We're just less familiar with them. So let's dive in to Jocelyn Edwards and Lucia Pudilova, which ended up being a split decision. 29-28s all around. We only had one split round, but again, we're actually going to dive into round one, which was a unanimous round. What happened in this round? So it was unanimous for Edwards, right? Yes, yeah. unanimous so, for Edwards, to, to be clear. Thank you. They come out and they just start firing a bunch of punches at each other. 
I don't think anyone actually landed. Maybe one got through for Edwards. They were pulling the trigger, but, yeah. but nothing landed. I think yeah. may- maybe one got through for Edwards. Uh, she lands a leg kick, and then you know they clinch off a failed takedown from Pudalova, and she eats a, a knee to the gut. Um, but then Pudalova times a-, a punch from Edwards, perfectly timed takedown, right into half guard. She lands some punches from here. She's on top for a while, landing intermittent shots. A couple got through nicely, like hammer fist style, kind of. Maybe an elbow. Pudalova stands up. She eats an up kick. Uh, and then Pudalova goes back down at the half guard, passes to side, tries to quickly mount, but gets bucked off. And Edwards has her against the fence in like this dogfight position. And she throws a bunch of strikes. I don't really think many landed here cleanly or at all. I'm not really sure. Didn't look like they landed too too great here. They separate and Pudalova goes on the attack, clinches Edwards against the cage. I think it's closer than the world thinks, but I also think it's kind of clear for Pudalova. Maybe we're missing something cage side that they saw more clearly, but from what I saw, I think it, this is a 10-9 Pudalova round. This feels like a philosophical thing for me. Like, it feels like it's it's really more of a, how much weight are you supposed to give to the grappling that Pudalova does? Which, let's face it, what is she accomplishing? See, I, th- I thought she landed some punches there. I don't think she's landing a whole lot there, man. I she, really don't. She landed some decent hammer fist there. And a good a good left, and I think she has an elbow also. I don't know. I like I'll I'll, I'll take the spoiler out of it. I actually still gave the round Pudalova, but man, I don't I just don't know how much she's landing down there. I mean, she yeah, like you're identifying a couple things she did, sure. Mm-hmm. And she does have the time on top and and you know, some of it is in semi-dominant positions, right? It's it's you know, it's not just sitting in guard, but it's I don't know, she's not really getting to anything that's threatening to finish the fight, you know, not in any meaningful way. Mm. And I would say anytime they weren't just on the mat, you probably give the advantage to Edwards, no? Yeah, I would think so. So, but also Edwards, what was she actually doing? I don't know. I mean, I think she lands more than Pudalova does. So if you just want to go with the strikes landed and the damage and that kind of thing, I don't think anyone gets any high damage whatsoever. It's not It's not like that. Damage isn't there. No, 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 no. I mean, well, we're not even talking about an eight, of course, but I, there's just not, there's not a whole lot of effect, I think, from necessarily from either one of them. But I would say it did seem like there's just a slight advantage of the effectiveness of the strikes that are coming from Edwards. But I mean, that top time... And not just in like a guard situation. I I don't know. What are you supposed to do with that? The the criteria says like what you know. What are you doing effectively in the grappling, right? But how effective is what she does, which is not again just not sitting in guard. She, she moves to at least a bit better of a position, right? So I thought I thought the strikes she landed here were the best strikes. When I would disagree the, with that. When it's I on the feet, I don't I I don't think Edwards lands. Much. I think she lands some in the clinch. When she, it, when well, they're like kind of yeah, getting she, back she, up. She, I think that's where, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, anytime they're not just on the mat. Early in the round, she landed a good leg kick and a, a knee to the gut. Yeah, and, I don't even give much kick. credit to that. It's the not up that kick, much. Mm-hmm. The up kick. Maybe they put some decent weight into that up kick. Yeah. Again, I, I did end up on the same page here as you. I do give it to Pudalova. I do not feel, like, all that strongly to this one. And, you know, when I heard everybody kind of getting up in arms about it, obviously the, the commentary team kind of saw the sitting on top of this situation well they swayed that opinion they did they did very heavily um and unfortunately we had one of the the least familiar criteria teams on uh three-man broadcasts on this one in in um you know dc uh michael bisping i think is probably middle of the pack at the very least of the of the group 
in terms of his understanding of the criteria, especially when it comes to eight nines. I think he gets that a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Brandon Fitzgerald, who, you know, no disrespect, is not at the same understanding or or ability to explain it as John Anik. I think uh, he was. I think he was um, absent or daydreaming during their uh, the officials uh, meeting thing that they talk about, <laughs> or he wasn't invited because I. The man hears criteria, uh, control, and that's all he scores. He's on. very he, so. he does harp on control a lot more than really needs to be, and and that is something that I would like to see um, change. I I would hope maybe that can get through a little better, but so far we've not seen the results there. So yeah, th- there was obviously a a narrative that was put out there that obviously she, that Pudilova won the first two rounds, and she obviously won the first round. Is no, it's no, there's no way like the judges could do, mess this up or something like that. I don't know that they messed this up. This doesn't feel like a robbery because this is the round that like realistically everybody just took for granted as happening, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like something was done wrong here to me, but I do feel like it highlights an issue with the criteria that there's still room to better elaborate upon what you do with grappling. Scott, and don't you, you know there's nothing wrong with the criteria? <laughs> We're not going down that road. <laughs> there's plenty wrong with the criteria. I I could I could do we could do a whole show on what I would change the criteria. One day we're going to um because the document needs a lot of work. It does. I it may it may be in the wording, it may be in the clarification, but there's other areas where it could certainly just use some enhancements and some actual adjustments and that kind of thing. But yeah, I, I think really it just the words themselves are not clear enough. There's a whole lot of if you talk to judges you'll actually learn what you're supposed to do. If you go to the ABC, you'll learn what you're supposed to do. A lot of stuff that we learn in conversations with judges and in the training that you and I both went to and and passed at ABC last year, a lot of it can just be codified. It really can. You don't need to have that be a conversation you have to further elaborate upon it. You can get the words in and you don't even have to make it a book. It'll still be three and a half to four pages. Mm -hmm. You can get it there. There is a lot of room to fix that document, and I think it leaves a lot of officials vulnerable, and I don't think it needs to, and I would like to see them change that. Um, but to get back to this round in particular, I'm with you. I gave it to Pudilova, but this is this doesn't bother me. It doesn't. It just doesn't. Well, you know why it bothers me? Okay, why? Because I looked at this round, and I, I had a sneaking suspicion I was going to have to rewatch this round. <laughs> in a fight that I really don't Is care about. Is it because about. Jocelyn Edwards was in the fight and she's almost always in a split decision? And I didn't I didn't care about the fight really. Just it was it was a fight. I watched it. Didn't want to watch it again. And I just had that sneaking suspicion round one was gonna cause some issues. And it did. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a feeling you didn't know. But on on the whole, I mean, I had no skin in the game, I had whatever. I thought it was closer than the world did. Okay. And the narrative uh, that the commentary put out there, I think, uh, exaggerated things. It did, it did. I will. I should probably, now I'm pulling up Jocelyn Edwards' record, and I'm looking. And she is not in a split decision every time. She's in a decision every time. And the last two now have been split decisions. So okay. I'm, I'm colored by the recent past, which doesn't feel like it's been nine months since she fought, but apparently it had been. I, I feel like we were just doing one of these like two months ago, but maybe it's just because these bleed together so well. Yeah, possibly. We do these every week, yeah. you know, and certain names we hear. And I'm, again, I'm just kind of conditioned when I see Jocelyn Edwards on the card. I'm like, we'll probably be talking about that fight. I don't know how many mm-hmm. rounds, but but probably. Um, now, of course, we weren't expecting to talk about a unanimous round. Um, we do have, and I should point out, because you and I, before we move on to the next round, because you and I did 
go against the grain. And all three judges on this one, Ross Swanberg, Henry uh, Geary, I'm going to guess on the pronunciation, and David Hoyette, they all had Edwards here. We both had uh, Pudilova. That is not a couchside override. Dan and I are two people. Those are three people. So based on math, we, we, got did, we, were, we were overridden. That's just how math works. I'm sorry, guys. I, if, you need, if you need more math lessons, my children are really good with math, especially this type of math, so they can help you. Um, but yeah, so not, not a couchside override. Just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. Uh, <laughs> who, who would get it? Who would we mail this to? Ourselves? Sure. Come on. What's the point of mailing it to ourselves? We only mail things to people all over the world. That's true. Outside of you know, yeah. these four walls where we were to do the recording. But anyway, let's move on to the next round, the actual split round of this fight, the deciding round, the real deciding round, I should say, uh, round three. So what's happening here? Yeah, I thought Edwards was doing good work early, landing leg kicks, and you know, Pudilova's doing a lot of missing. Uh, seems Edwards is landing and kind of pulling away a little bit in this round. Her leg kicks are, are good, uh, punches to the face. Second half of the round is a different story. Pudilova was able to start finding a home for these punches that she's been missing. And her aggressiveness is helping her, you know, close that gap and, and start getting some good uh, good lands in there. I thought Edwards had a lead early and just didn't relinquish it, uh, even though Pudilova started to close that gap. Close round, but I'm on 10-9 Edwards. Yeah, I'm on 10-9 Edwards. I think, she's, I think she had asserted herself over the course of 15 minutes as the better striker. Mm-hmm. And I think it showed in this round, which was largely striking. And, you know, it's not like it was a blowout of a round. It certainly wasn't. I think you can make a case probably for Pudilova, but I felt good about edwards in this mm-hmm. round so yeah that's uh that's an edwards round for you and me we sided with judges swanberg and hoyette it was uh judge geary who ended up giving this round to pudilova and ended up being the hero of all the people who felt wronged by the way the decision went yeah i but then everybody forgot about it because it happened hours and hours and hours ago <laughs> <laughs> everyone just needed something to talk about for the first couple of fights that's that's the crazy thing about it is like sometimes you know we'll sit there you and i this is a little bit of you know behind the show type of talk i guess right (laughs) we'll we'll think okay what's the fight that's going to kind of drive our show for the week what's the conversation piece and this obviously was going to be the conversation piece Mm -hmm. everybody went crazy on it they went ballistic so it was like okay we have to put it somewhere Mm -hmm. um unless you know something happened much later that was of equal or worse then yeah that's where it supplants it but Something like this, like if it happens in the first fight of the night and there's 14 fights, you can almost guarantee no one's going to care anymore. Oh, yeah. Because realistically, <laughs> and I don't mean to be disrespectful to Jocelyn Edwards or Lucia Pudilova, but there's just not a whole lot of people who really are truly invested in the way that fight was scored who didn't have money in the yeah, game. It was all about the money. It's all about the money. <laughs> And once you get past I saw that, some people happy about it that kept their parlays alive. Yeah, adorable. <laughs> Look, if, if I'm gonna I'm gonna give some unsolicited betting advice to anybody. If you see Jocelyn Edwards' name on a card, just bet the distance. Do over two and a half rounds. Whatever. Don't bet the result. You you just you're asking for trouble. Don't do it. Fair. That's I I feel like that's some good betting advice. Am I wrong? I, I probably right. Yeah. Or just ignore the fight. Yeah. You could do that too. <laughs> it's a totally viable option. You actually don't have to bet. Anyway, let's move on. I'm done talking about that fight. Everyone else is done listening to it. Let's move on. We got Jillian Robertson, who got the win over Piero Rodriguez. Second round submission via armbar. Now, 
Before we even get into the split round here, which is round one in a fight that didn't even go past round two, um, there's a little bit of, you know, an interesting finish here with this armbar, right? You want to mm-hmm. go into it a little bit to set the table real quick? You don't yeah, have to go she, deep, so but, she, you know. She does the armbar, and then uh, Pierre raises her hand like she's going to tap, and then she does one tap, and then re- goes back to um, defending or trying to defend. And then Keith Peterson's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You tapped. It's over. That's a tap. We're done. Mm-hmm. Then when they announce it, they announce it was a verbal tap. So the one time we're not in the apex where we can't hear what's going on. So <laughs> we don't know what happened. But I mean, I imagine I don't think it's as 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 audible as Joe Warren was when he got caught in a knee bar mm. and just started screaming and then argued that he didn't tap, even though crying out <laughs> is, is, is a tap. Absolutely you, you a tap. Yeah, like that counts. Grunting to you know to you know push your way through the pain means it's over we don't know what happened but it was announced as a verbal tap she must have made some kind of noise the idea is mind mind your noises be quiet (laughs) just be quiet um yeah that that was obviously that's a tap i'm sorry and 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 she had to tap too even even if there wasn't no verbal she tapped yeah it's a tap and her arm would have been snapped oh yeah this this prevented and 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 that's not what keith peterson necessarily is supposed to be doing these are professionals like Mm -hmm. you don't stop them from themselves like you would in an amateur fight I'll repeat that, like you would in an amateur fight to prevent a broken arm. Yeah. Just a, a reference to a previous fight from a while back. <laughs> um, I I just, I don't have any issue with this at all. We we knew what no, was going no to happen, and it actually transpired the way it was supposed to. It's fine. It was another orthodox way to do it, but also, it's kind of like, almost like out of the book of uh, Chael Sonnen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we, we want to go in more into the split round here. Because I think there's some interesting conversation to be had at least mm-hmm. about this round, which is round one, which again didn't matter into the result, but nonetheless, let's talk about it. Yeah, on the feet, Rodriguez is definitely winning, but not by a big margin. Mm-hmm. Uh, she takes it to the ground, and from here, Robertson lands a nice elbow that immediately swells up and cuts Rodriguez on her forehead. Not a bad cut, not a lot of blood, but a good shot from the bottom, and then she... Liable damage. Then she sweeps her. Robert Robertson doesn't land many shots up here, but there's a good elbow that she does land. And a couple good punches similar to Lesnar Mir 2. Like three or four of those. Where he's got the arm trap thing and he's doing like uppercuts from underneath. Like three or four of those. Uh, I think the more effective fighter in this round was Robertson. Maybe Chris Lee didn't see the elbow from Robertson on the bottom. Which in my opinion is a major point of the round. And I think it sways things. So that that's why I'm on Robertson 10-9. I guess I can see what you're saying. But... This doesn't feel like the right score to give for this round. I, I don't think this really... I think this round has a clear winner. Mm-hmm. I, I would, I'm going to start with that. I think this round is a clear winner. I think this round is Jillian Robertson's round. And it's it's one of those things that, like again, kind of reinforces what I was talking about earlier about the fact that grappling doesn't seem to be... I don't know if it's necessarily being discounted. Like There's there's conspiracy theorists out there that are like, oh, that judge hates grappling. I don't, I don't buy that. That's stupid. You I know. bet there was a ref that worked the other night that hates grappling. <laughs> well, there's probably that, but that's <laughs> we'll get into that. That's definitely a, a throwback to uh, the let's say early days of of the uh, post spike, you know, explosion of. Uh, mm. But um, yeah, this this feels like a round that's really supposed to be for Robertson because I think her grappling, even on itself, is probably enough to tilt the scale just a little bit. Okay, but it's but it's more than that. It is more than that. It's it's the elbow, and I mean, it's not just that. If you missed like how what happened with that, right? There's some good shots being landed there, and I would argue some of these shots are even better than what's being landed on the feet. Okay, I just I don't 
I don't think it's that hard to call this one. That's that's my opinion. That's my two cents on this. Um, when I watched it, I totally didn't expect to talk about that round. Yeah, I'll, I'll I, I think that. that that's another. Okay. A lot of people were very surprised in that too. And and this is this is a round I'm actually much more like, come on, guys. Like as far as the judging, like this needs to actually be on the same page here. The other round, I get it. We we went over that. I I don't have to elaborate anymore. I get it. This is the round that I think really should be on the same page here. So you know, you and I. Went with the majority here, which was for Robertson. Judges Brian Pacillo and uh, Ross Swanberg, once again, they saw it the same way as us. It was Chris Lee, one of the few traveling judges, who was brought in. Uh, and Brian Pacillo qualifies as a traveling judge. He works like kind of in the Midwest more. He doesn't really travel outside mm-hmm. the Midwest, but he works in several states. He's a very veteran um, judge who we don't talk about very often because they haven't traveled a whole lot the last few years. But I bet you as they kind of... Make their way into the heartland more frequently. We're going to hear his name more often. Chicago, is especially, I believe he mm-hmm. goes to. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, it was Chris Lee who saw this one for Rodriguez. And look, just because I disagree with Chris Lee here doesn't mean he's a bad judge. He's a good judge. But I will say this. Of all the judges who work a ton of rounds, and he's one of the very few, he seems to turn in way more of the rounds where I'm just like, no, than any <laughs> other judge. And I, I don't know why that is. I don't know if that's me or if that's him. Or what? But of all the judges, I mean, again, the Saldamatos, the, you know, the the Derek Clearies, the Mike Bells, the Eric Colones, all the ones who work like the absolute most rounds. Chris Lee is definitely the one we most often are saying like, Mm-mm. okay. So we got to add this one to the list, by the way. Oh, you want to add this one to this the list? This has to be on the list. Absolutely. Okay. I didn't think it was that great. No, no, no. I do. Oh, okay. I do. I want it on the list. but really the list means we're going to go back to it later right and we're going to you know at the end of the year we go over and kind of like rank them as far as like okay what what rounds do we disagree with and why and then we can kind of we can hopefully revisit the ideas behind them and Mm. and, you know that kind of thing so all right yeah um again chris lee good judge i I don't like the score all right and that's all i have to say about that that was a bad accident forrest gump's a good movie it is a good movie really good also the uh the theme from forrest gump do you remember the music in your head at all like the the music that's playing kind of yeah moving and everything like that yeah my son really likes like peaceful like symphonic music Mm -hmm. and so i've been looking for like songs i can play from that are kind of in that in that vein and i put that one on the other day when we were working on lego he's like oh i like this one (laughs) it was so pleasant we should just maybe score movies how about we license that and we play it in the background of these rounds okay that's a lot of money. We're not going to do fine. Yeah. But I want to. I just want to. That's all. Anyway, we're moving on. Max Holloway. We're going back to the uh, the main event here. Max Holloway, Arnold Allen, unanimous decision, 49-46 twice, and a 48-47. Round two is our split here. So let's talk about it. Yeah, very close round. Allen came out much more aggressive than he was in the, round, uh, the first round. Kept Max fighting off his back foot. And, you know, that's not what we're used to seeing, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, normally it's Holloway pushing the pace. This round, Max invested in the body, landed some good ones upstairs too. I thought Allen's left hand and shots upstairs were the difference. He had three that snapped Max, snapped Max's head around. Uh, in terms of immediate impact, I favor Allen, but it's it's very close. Uh, Max had the heavy body kick. Uh, I think Allen's output dropped as the round went on. All of Allen's like best offense happened early in the round, probably the first two minutes. Uh, so that allowed Max to close the gap. I still think Allen edges at 
Yeah, Alan letting Holloway back into it was not a good idea because obviously, you know, you never want to do it with Max Holloway anyway. But yeah, I thought he had built like a pretty solid lead early. Mm-hmm. It's not like a crazy one, but man, he's he's landing some good shots on Max Holloway that we just mm-hmm. don't see get through um, with his hands typically. And it was sort of making you think, hey, maybe something could be in the works here. And then even by the end of the round, we're just like, well, I don't know about that now, but we'll <laughs> see. Um, but yeah, I, I still feel like ultimately Allen had built up enough of a lead that as much as Max made it close, I don't mm-hmm. think he quite took it back. So I felt good with Allen here. I mean, you want to you want to be giving more weight to the more effective strikes. And I think that the more effective strikes in the very literal definition of that are coming from Alan here. Mm-hmm. And I think it's enough of them too. It's not, you know, sometimes we have it where it's like, okay, he's landing the most effective strikes, but he's just not landing enough. He had that happen here and there. We've seen it in plenty, plenty of fights, but I don't, know, I don't think so here. I think he's got the volume and I think he's got the effectiveness. I think, I think I'm okay here. Yeah. So you and I actually agreed with, uh, it was the local judge who was on this fight, this main event, kind of a curious choice to put him with, Chris Lee and Sal D'Amato, the two tra- you know, the, the two um, let's say global traveling judges, especially. But yeah, I think we're both on the same page as Travis Busking in, instead of uh, Lee and D'Amato. So what does that mean for Travis Busking? Couch that over. <laughs> we're gonna send that one out to the uh, the Midwest. Send it on out. Mm-hmm. It's coming. Keep your eye out, Travis. Check the mailbox. Mm. But no, we can move on. That was the only round. Otherwise, you know, we all knew who won. There was no. No uh, suspense on that one. Moving on to Zach Cummings, his swan song against Ed Herman. It ended up being his swan song. <laughs> Third round TKO win for Zach Cummings. There's a few of officiating things that we could get into on this one, but that's, let's start actually with the contested round, which is round two. And we're only talking about how bad a beating Zach Cummings put on Ed Herman in round two, which he kind of was a little bit of a continuation of the first round. Yeah, I mean, well, this whole fight, they threw leather. They were throwing heavy shots. Uh, Cummings snapping Herman's head around, lands a left that sits Herman down, and Herman pops right back up, but still definitely a knockdown. Yeah, it tends to uh, do that. There's a bit of a lull in this round as they clinch. They kind of just hang out against the cage, punching each other, kneeing each other. But when they separate, Cummings lands heavy, and the kicks to the legs knocks out Herman's leg completely. Sends him back to the mat. Gets back up. Uh, later in the round, Herm, uh, Cummings drops Herman bad. Uh, he was hurt. You could tell he was hurt. Cummings follows up to the ground, landing good elbows, solid ground and pound until he's kicked in the face it for a second time. just grazes the nose on this one. It's, <laughs> it wasn't that bad, but you're right. I mean, it's absolutely illegal. Yeah. You know, uh, no question. This is the second time it's happened in the fight, so point is taken. Justifiably. Rest- but, it went, but it didn't damage that bad. Like, you wouldn't look at this and be like, oh, well, yeah. are we going to give two points here? Absolutely not. Toes to the nose. Yeah, it was fine. You could tell Cummings was fine. You know, he really was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they do restart on the feet, and Herman looks a bit wobbly uh, every time he's getting punched. Can I also point out so, that, that Herman, I believe he said out loud, like, I thought he was up. Yeah. yeah. He goes, I thought so, he was standing. Which, to me, says that he's kind of hurt here. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. he's still hurt. He doesn't really know what's going on. <laughs> I do think we have damage. I think we have dominance. Uh, so I'm going a 10-8. With the point deduction, it becomes a 10-7. Yeah, that was my logic, too. I, I had the exact same thought. I, we do not have duration here. There's way too much kind of like 
you know, damage and then nothing and then damage and then nothing. But there's a, a clear outclassing of the striking from even though Herman Zach is landing. Herman yeah, he's landing, offense, but so. he's not landing anything that's really making a difference in the fight. Is Cummings is the one who's bringing this yeah. to its natural conclusion mm-hmm. much much faster. Uh, and not just because of the damage, but it's because he's landing the better strikes. So I felt really good about this one being uh, even a 2D 10-8. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see how it wouldn't go the other way. This is almost like this is like the, the definition of a 10-8.5 in a lot of ways. I feel people, I think you can go and say, with did, did Herman earn his 9? Maybe. He might not have. really sure. He might have. So, but that's why I've again. I, that's why I'm kind of like, okay, eight and a half is good. So we ended up on the same page again. It's an eight, but it becomes a seven. And I, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell everybody what what, uh, what happened when I called you last night. Oh yeah, going, yeah, yeah. I'm looking back at the score sheets because I've I've had a super busy night. I really didn't get to watch a whole lot of this live. I had it on TV, and I'm kind of following, but not able to follow as much as I would like. And and I call you, and I'm like, oh my god. Dan, you got to look at the scorecards. So I make you pull it up. I'm not even explaining it. You pull it up and you look and you see what I saw, which is that Judge Brian Pacillo gave Zach Cummings a 10-7. I'm like, oh my God. And then you reminded me, it was the point deduction. I'm like, oh, I completely forgot. But the UFC scorecard that they posted didn't indicate that it was the 10-8 and then subtracted a point like they tend to do. Yeah, they, they they didn't write the graphic, right? Yeah, the, the so. graphic they use on their, probably a lot of people know this, the graphic is just a basically a, a, a transcription of what the commissions use. So they have it as a little more uniform and it looks a little easier for people to view online, which is good when done correctly. Um, here and there, there's little errors that, you know, nerds like us spot, but that's pretty much it. I was nervous when you told me to look at it. I was like, no way. Someone scored a oh. round for Herman. <laughs> that's what I was nervous about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, but so. but it was it was Brian Cicillo who gave the eight, which turned into the seven. It was Ross Swanberg once again and Sal D'Amato once again, who gave it uh, a, a 10-9 for Cummings, which again became the 8. So we didn't see it that way. We saw it the same way as Puccello. What does this mean for Brian Puccello? Couchside over Another one going out. A lot of mail coming in the Midwest. <laughs> um, but I want to back it up real quick, and we don't have to go deep into this one. But round one, uh, like we alluded to, there was the up, well, the up kick, I guess, the illegal kick. Mm-hmm. To, um, when Ed Herman is down, lands it to, and he grazes Zach Cummings in the first round, too. Mm-hmm. It probably was even less damaging than the first one. Well, it hit, it hit his chest first, and then it, it kind of slips his off. Face. Yeah. 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 So, you know, definitely not a big deal. They stop it. They they end up standing the fight back up, though. No point deduction. But I don't believe that's protocol, right? I think they said uh, on the broadcast that Mark Ratner said, no, they shouldn't have done that. That they possibly. should have kept it down. Yeah. I guess. Because, but also, I think Cummings wants it standing. Cause, but did he ask for that? I don't know if he asked for it or not. But I'm saying that's what he wants because Herman has a pretty dangerous guard. We saw he almost got caught in an armbar. Cummings almost got caught in an armbar sure. earlier in the round. So. But that's not really how it works. I know it's not how it works, <laughs> but I'm saying it. Ben, it it's not where it's like a guy who worked all it's around. It's a happy to get accident. To, yeah, there you go. It's Perfect. a happy accident. A little Bob but, Ross for you. Yeah, exactly. It's happy little trees. Um, but that's not that's not what it's supposed to be doing. I'm, you know, what if Zach Cummings in that moment said, you know what, I actually kind of want it down there. It's like, well, mm, too darn bad. It was Dwayne Best, right? The referee was Dwayne Best here, I believe. Yeah. Stood it up. Um, kind of weird choice <laughs> to do that, but okay. At least in the second round when they did it, they stood the fight back up. But they had taken a point. They had taken a point. That's fine. All right, I'm okay with that. Um, Reffing on the fly. These things happen. <laughs> 
fortunately didn't make a difference. We had we had the winner uh, pretty much bound to win the whole fight. He got a knockdown, an official knockdown by UFC stats in each round before getting the finish, I guess, included. Um, but that's that was it for that fight. We can move on. We've got two more fights, two rounds in this one, though. Daniel Zellhuber, who we mentioned earlier. Young kid, 23 years old, I think. I, didn't, I don't remember what his age was. I believe he's 23. He's, he's young up-and-comer. I don't know if he's like a massive prospect, but I'm interested in him. I want to see what what, what he can do. Um, Got the win over Lando Venata. 30-27, 29-27, and 29-28. So, three rounds. You know you've got three different scores. You know you've got at least two rounds here. So, let's start with round one, which, again, just like the last fight, we're going to determine to what degree Daniel Zell Hoover is beaten up on uh, Lando Venata. Well, early they exchanged some nice leg kicks, and it's pretty even. Maybe even a slight edge to Venata. Yeah, he land, had a couple good combos to the head. Uh, and then Zell Huber lands a big punch to the face. Stings Venata. Really sets the round uh, off for Zell Huber here. Uh, he swarms against the cage. Landon punches. Lands a huge knee right up the middle. Uh, Venata crumbles and covers up as Zell Huber just goes bananas uh, for the next minute and a half. Bananas on Venata? Yeah. Ah, wow, I didn't even think of that one. Every time I hear Lando Banana's name, I think Lando Banana. I'm not joking. <laughs> I don't know why. It, it, it's a lot of punches uh, landing on the hand that Venata's putting up, but a lot are getting through, and, and these are good shots, and it's a, for a, quite a long period of time that he's just getting swarmed here. I think we have damage for sure. I think we got a little bit of dominance here, and I think we definitely got duration. I like an 8, 10, 8. I like an eight here. I think the damage is just so high. It's hard to ignore. I mean, when, when they get high damage rounds, uh, it seems like it's a lot easier for judges to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, although in this case, it still was because only one judge pulled the trigger. That judge being Sal D'Amato, the traveling judge of mm. the of the group here. It was David Hoyet and Travis Besking who scored this as a 10-9 for Zell Huber. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with D- Judge D'Amato here. I think this is a, I think this is a much easier eight to give out, to be perfectly honest, than the last one, um, because the damage is much higher here. He's like, he's hurt in a way for a while, you know, mm-hmm. in a way that it was almost like, I wonder if they'd stop this. Didn't quite get there, but you could tell. I believe this was Jason Herzog, correct? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, it was Jason Herzog. Yeah, he yeah, looked, yeah. he was close to pulling the trigger. You could tell mm-hmm. he didn't pull the trigger, and I think it was the right call. But he was close, and mm-hmm. justifiably so. So, yeah. So I saw it the same way as as again you and Judge D'Amato. Who, and it feels like it feels like a lot of local judges maybe in different territories are sometimes less likely to pull than than an eight out there. Mm. I don't know anything about the Missouri Commission or the judges there, and um, especially to comment on this in particular with these individuals. But it is something we see more often. There's a lot of times where they'll go to, you know, Texas or, or wherever, and the only eight is going to be the traveling judge, the one mm-hmm. with the more experience that, that can identify that kind of thing. It's not so much a problem when you go to, you know, the UK or somewhere like that. They, they have a very um, strong understanding and a lot of practice uh, in doing that in different variations or different regions of Europe as well. And then for whatever reason, Australia just loves eights. So they, they'll give mm-hmm. them out all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but in other commissions in the United States, it seems like they're, I don't know if they're told not to use the eight, but it's, it seems like they're just less likely to do so. Maybe it's just less experience. I don't know. But for whatever reason, we ended up on the same page as Judge Damato. What does that mean for Couch Judge Damato? He's also in the Midwest. Mm. Everything's going in like this the, the smack dab in the middle of the country, north to the bottom. Yep. Yep. So uh, check the mail. Check the mail, Sal. Round two. 
This one, we're actually talking about the winner of the round. Yeah, close round. I, I think each guy has a case to be made here. Zell Huber landed strong, good to the body, some good kicks. And, and Venata had some strong, clean lands upstairs. I think Venata had more immediate impact, so I'm 10-9 Venata. Close round. I am too, yeah. We don't need to go deep into this one. I, I feel good about this one as well. Same as you. Same as Judges D'Amato and Hoyette. It was Judge Besking who gave this to Zell Huber. All right. It's okay. Yeah. Moving on. Last round of the UFC, anyway. And that was uh, Gaston Bolanos, or Bolanos, I believe. I don't know. I'm, gonna, don't I'm know. butchering it, and I'm sorry, Gaston. But you, he got the win over Aaron Phillips. Unanimous decision, two 30-27s, and a 29-28. We're only talking about a split in round two. And I thought this was an interesting round. Well, yeah. I mean, Phillips takes a real strange way of getting a takedown early. Almost getting his back taken. Um, but he does end up on top. Uh Nothing really happens, but it, it's a bunch of baloney because the ref, Nick Barron, is telling him to work 10 seconds after it hits the ground. <laughs> Guy's in side control or, or half guard. Um, Balanos lands some elbows from bottom like the, I don't know how to describe You're, you're pantomiming something. Yeah. We're, we're already only so. They're elbows. <laughs> um, on the feet, I think Balanos is landing better. He does get taken down again to mount, and Barron says, hey, work here while Phillips is in mount for maybe 10 seconds. It's kind of insane. Uh let them work. Let them get there. Like, Let's work. 10 seconds work. is absurd. Yeah. Either in, he, I think the words were either improve or strike. It's like, dude, we just got here. Relax. Even if it, even if I don't do anything, I'm in, I'm in mount. Get out. I can already picture get Joe out. Rogan going nuts sitting at home as he's watching this. Like, what are you doing? Let them do it. You get stuck on the bottom? Tough. Figure a way to get out. <laughs> it's on you. Anyway. Oh, um, that's fair. That's fair. He does get around to the back, locks in a body triangle, and he he does attack an, an arm in rear naked, or like a, a head and arm choke from the back. I don't think it's close at all. Um, Bolanos escapes, ends up getting on top. Phillips never threw any punches from this uh, position, and Bolanos starts kicking his legs a bunch of times before it stood up. Uh, and then this is where it kind of turns here. He smashes Phillips in the face like five times with good shots, and you can tell Phillips is pretty hurt here. Or at least affected from these. I think he takes the round. 10-9 Bolanos. I felt pretty good about Bolanos here, man. Like, how, how, what would you say? Is this is this a close round, a close but clear round, or a clear round? It's close. I can see I can see an argument for Phillips. But, I mean, that, that final end is what puts it over for me because it gets smashed in the face. I feel like it's more like a close but clear round. All right. I'm not, you know, I, I wouldn't even be as mad about it as I'm mad. But, like, you know. I don't disagree as strongly as I did with the Rodriguez and, okay. and Robertson round earlier. But yeah, I, I feel like the winner of this round really ought to be uh, Gaston Bolanos here. Bolanos did more with, with his opportunities. Yeah. And, so. and But he's, again, he's more effective with his right. offense. He's, yeah. he's getting the fight closer to its conclusion. Mm -hmm. He's more effective. I feel like that's what you're supposed to reward here. So, you know, I, I scored this one for Bolanos. So. Mm -hmm. Close but clear. Not crazy, but uh, yeah, I sided with Judges Swanberg and Gary. It was Travis Besking once again who was split out on this one. So he gets a couch set override, but also one where I'm like, mm, not so much. <laughs> you know, take the wins where you get them, I guess, right? But I say I would say the the Missouri judges I think fared okay. Okay, you know, on the whole, mm -hmm. I think they they got beat to heck over that first fight, of course. Yeah, but like did. I don't know, I don't think that was really as justified as it really should have been. Um. The referees, yeah, just let them work. Mm -hmm. Let them do their thing. And, you know, maybe you don't stand them up every single time. Don't give them a way out. Come on. I got an awesome problem. There should not be. You shouldn't be allowed to get a stand up just because you hold the guy down. You should have to actively try to get up. 
True. You can't just throw your arms up and say, hey, he's not doing anything. Yeah. Stand me up. I mean, you could try, but you it should get a work. point taken for that. No. <laughs> you I'm, think so? Yeah. <laughs> you're, it's, it's, you're not, you're not fighting. You're looking for help. I don't know if it's necessarily in the rules for that, though. Well, I'll add it to the rules. <laughs> Fair enough. Talk to talk the rules and regs committee. Yeah. But that was it for UFC. We, we we actually just have, again, the two rounds from PFL. We'll get into these. I don't know if we have to go too deep into these, do we? But, I mean, the first fight, at least, was actually kind of fun. The first yeah, fight that we're going to talk was... about. Zach Jusola, or Jusola, got the win over Brandon Jenkins. 29-28 twice and a 29-27. So we're talking about... Whether Jusola got an eight or a nine in round one, so let's talk about it. Yeah, this was a really fun round. It's clear Jusola is landing heavy and often, but Jenkins is returning fire, landing some of his own. It's an action-packed round. I think throughout the round, for most of the round, it's just a strong ten-nine until the final fifteen seconds, where Jusola hurts Jenkins bad, lands what seems to be like ten punches and like eight knees unanswered. Somehow Jenkins never goes down. Uh, but that final barrage puts it, pushed it over for me to 10-8. Yeah, I'm with you, too. I think that was a good assessment of that. But, you know, you can understand why maybe just that last flurry isn't enough to kind of put it over the top. It was a good round up to that point. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it just kind of changed a little bit at the end. So it depends on your evaluation on the whole, I guess. Not crazy for judges Ron McCarthy and Rick Winter to give the 9. But you and I, sir, we saw this for the same way as Junichiro Camillo. That's a 10-8 round for Jusola. What does that mean, though, for, for Judge Camillo? Catch that over. <laughs> this one's going further west. I'm pretty sure he's in Nevada. He's a, he's a local yeah, Nevada he's judge. Local Nevada he does travel a little bit, but he's mostly in Nevada. Um, and then the last round we had, well, this round kind of stunk. <laughs> Complete opposite. It's total opposite. Ash Manfio gets the win over Alexander Martinez, who used to be on the right side of all these close decisions. This was not close. It was 29-28 twice and a 30-27. And uh, round ones are our only split round here. So what's happening? Yeah, like like you said, super boring round. Not a single strike is thrown for a full minute. And you know, I like that they almost lapped the cage twice before any action was taken. Kept circling. That was actually amazing. Kept circling. Uh, Martinez landed some good leg kicks. Manfio landed good body kick early. His combos upstairs were pretty decent. I'm not seeing an immediate impact on the calf kicks uh, from Martinez. Manfio continues to return uh, fire when he's hit with these and press forward, you know. Martinez is kind of covering up and resetting when Manfio's throwing at him or, and hitting him. Not all that much offense to score in this round, but I think Manfio was the one that was more effective. No issue going with Martinez if you saw more effect on these leg kicks. Yeah, this round's boring. I just can't stress it enough. <laughs> but what I thought was impressive, too, is that Martinez doesn't land a single punch on the didn't. I don't think he threw a punch. Yeah, I don't know if he... Actually, I think he might have technically oh, he, thrown a couple but he only landed by the PFL stats that were accruing at the bottom. He only landed kicks. It was like a, it was like a video game where okay, you pass this level, but you can't throw a punch mm-hmm. or you can't land a punch. You can only land with kicks. Yeah, no, I can see that. That's so. that, but uh, yeah, I don't think he actually won that round. I think I think Manfio did enough with the hands. I am not married to that because there's just not enough happening in this round. But I think Manfio's hands and and kicks too. Yeah. get the job done in this round over the work from Martinez. I don't know what it is. Martinez seems to get people on his side with, with these rounds that are close. I have no <laughs> idea if it's just an us thing or them thing. I don't know. But yeah, we ended up seeing it from Manfio, who was uh, the outscore actually from Junichiro Camillo. Mike Bell and Ron McCarthy, once again, were in the majority, saw this for Martinez. But since we had it the same way as Judge Camicho, what does that mean for him? Couch that override. Sending more. Saving on postage. That should be our most overrides in a single episode. We have 
five five overrides in nine rounds that were actually contested rounds mm-hmm. we don't count again the uh the first round was a unanimous because we, we didn't need over, it we didn't we can't override it we didn't want to we didn't want to gloat yeah so what are the, what are the things that we send in the mail look like should we describe them to the, to everybody or maybe they're not ready they're probably not ready to hear it they're not ready to hear unless it. unless you've already earned one and gotten it in the mail like you, you're probably not ready to to hear what it's like it's yeah. it's too magnificent to yeah, be feel free honest. feel free to post a picture of your couch at overrides honestly i just want to know that one of these is getting through the mail i'm starting mm-hmm. to get really mad at the u.s postal service <laughs> <laughs> but that is it for our contested rounds bunch of finishes seven at the ufc Five by TKO, two by sub. As we're starting to get back to the the TKOs and KOs are, are getting more prevalent than the subs. Three of these fights ended in the first round over at PFL. We had five finishes, five again by TKO or KO. No subs. Nobody in PFL likes to do submissions or they don't like to sign people who do submissions. I don't know. Four of these fights ended in the first round. Overall, plenty of exciting stuff happened over these two events. And they were far from the only things happening over the weekend. But of those 12, what's your favorite finish? Brandon Royville. Knee to jab to swarm over Mateus Nicolau. I always knew you were going to pick Brandon Royville. That was amazing. Yeah. I, I'll I'll point out the one that was my favorite that you put down for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, just by assigning it to me or guessing or what have you. But it was Edson Barboza. Um, changing. <laughs> I'll quote you. This is what you wrote down. Edson Barboza changing Billy Q to Billy Z. You went to sleep. Yeah, you put him to sleep yeah. with that with that knee. That was pretty. That was pretty devastating knee. Um, I like that one, but actually, I also really did like the armbar from Jillian Robinson. Okay, and that was a good armbar. Wow. I don't think you take away points just because of the weird finish. I think she earned a really good submission there. Didn't expect that. But no, no, no. I mean, my my primary one. I just wanted to give it a little shout. Oh, okay. I think she deserved okay. not to have that taken away from All her. Right. You know. Yeah, that's what I would say. And I'm I'm super impressed with with her uh, in general. I would be fascinated to see how far she can get at 115 mm. i didn't know that she was going to be able to get down there actually i didn't even realize this was a lightweight or a a strawweight fight when we were talking about it last week i just missed that hmm. so yeah good for her i'd like to see how that goes but that's it for last weekend we got to look forward to this weekend where there's just fights and fights and fights and fights uh, especially saturday but friday is the kickoff of the two-night hawaii special bellator tends to do this because apparently it's not that hard to get into hawaii or get the job done like dana white makes it sound for the ufc hopefully the cameramen know stay out of sal's way oh yeah absolutely you can't get in the way of sal the model in hawaii um look for look for the people who are wearing the hawaiian shirts and stay out of their way <laughs> the ref <laughs> should the ref should be wearing hawaiian shirts too no i think they should be too colorful they should be nope i want get nothing too. but pushback from me no I made my case. But anyway, Bellator is up on Friday night, 10 p.m. Eastern time main card. That's like a four o'clock in the afternoon over in Hawaii time or something like that. I think it's six hours. Um, But the main headline here is uh, Liz Carmouche defending her title technically for the second time. But it's really the first time that she's kind of getting past the whole saga of Juliana Velazquez. Mm -hmm. She's defending against Deanna Bennett, longtime veteran of, well, Invicta especially. She's been with Bellator for a little while. She was on Tough as well. She's getting her shot here. I think it's an interesting fight. I don't know if you care about this one or not, but I, I actually think it's a solid flyweight right. fight. I think it's a solid flyweight fight. For the title, of course, if I didn't make that clear enough. Um, the other fight on this one that I I think you had actually been in the I didn't realize it was a two-nighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's two, two nights. Danny Sabatello is back in action against uh, Marcos Breno at 135. I'm interested to see how Danny Sabatello does, but, man, I... 
He's not always the most interesting to watch. He's more of an interesting personality. That's what I'm, why I want to watch. And he's also talented. It's just not... Typically, it's in the wrestling department and almost nothing else. Instead of wrestles. He could do the wrestling. He's just got to mix well, in fight fights. fight after you get wrestled. Yeah, well, it, you yeah. got to take that and then fight. What if he mixed his martial arts? What would happen? He'd probably do a lot better than he did last in, time he fought. In, in what they call chop suey of fighting. He's probably fighting Patchy Mix if he threw some strikes. Might be. So, but he's not. Because he's Patchy not. Mix is fighting Ralphie on Stotts. The next night. The next night, which also starts at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Um, this is Bellator 294 and 295, respectively. But Ralphie on Stotts against Patchy Mix is the not only an interim title fight at 135 pounds. It is the Grand Prix final. Million dollars. Million dollars up for grabs. And the winner of this goes on to the, I guess what you probably could call the Bellator Bantamweight final because there's already another title fight being booked with the actual champion or the primary champion, what have you, um, Sergio Pettis returning yeah, so this injury, is just, this going is against Patricio Pitbull. Double final. It's it's weird. I mean, there's no million dollars <laughs> up for grabs in the other one. Yeah, because when I saw Sergio, he said, yeah, I should be fighting them in the spring. It would make sense. Actually, he actually said summer. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this kind of came along and it was kind of a surprising thing. And I, I actually interviewed Patchy Mix mm-hmm. last week. That'll be coming out um, from New York Post later this week. But I asked Patchy and I said, you know, what do you think of this fight? Like, obviously, you know, you guys are going for the title here. What do you think of that one? And he's like, you know, probably if it was anybody else, I'd be kind of pissed off. Mm. But I think his thinking was he has just so much respect for Patricio Pitbull. And it's not just a deference kind of thing. It's not like just because he you know, has a lot of respect for him. It's also what happens is if he wins, let's say Patchy Mix becomes the champion of this, right? He wins, wins the tournament. He gets the interim belt. He'll face the winner. He either gets to fight someone who he views as one of the greats of Bellator ever mm-hmm. and realistically one of the best light, lighter weight fighters of the last 15 years, too in patricio pitbull or he could fight the guy who beat patricio pitbull okay and there's prestige there so either way he kind of views it as something that can give him some rub okay if he takes care of business so yeah he didn't seem to be too bothered by it and i think this is like the only scenario that wouldn't have bothered him. yeah probably well he's he, still in the fight for a million bucks so well there's also that he you know he's looking forward to that he wants to buy his family a, a house take care of his family good on him mm. um this being in hawaii of course uh, we will probably have a couple local judges, but they last year, like they did brought in, like you said, Salamato, they'll bring in some other traveling judges as well. I'm sure it'll be a well-staffed event or pair of events as we tend to see from Bellator with, uh, Mike Mazzulli from ABC and overseeing the Mohegan commission often works with Bellator. I'm sure he's at least lending some expertise here. So hmm. not worried about the judging. There are some other good fights on this one though. The Saturday night card, Kyoji Huraguchi. Back in action against Ray Borg at Flyweight, which Bellator doesn't do. This is like, I don't know if this is the first Bellator Flyweight fight for men, but it's one of the very few. So I don't know if this, what this is, if I don't know if it's a one-off or if it's something that they're going to maybe try to kickstart. But I mean, it's a good fight at 125. Horiguchi and Borg, I mean, these were upper tier guys. They both fought Mighty Mouse Johnson for the championship at times in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Both of them uh, ended up losing in kind of spectacular submission fashion, but <laughs> I, I, especially Horiguchi, I think I think extremely highly of. I wonder if Ray Borg is going to hit the weight. He's had a lot of weight issues in the past, and he's been fighting at thirty five. This is back down to one twenty five. He's got a snake bit. Uh, um, I'll let's say I'll root for him just in the sense of you, you hate to see some bad things happen to a guy who's had a lot of bad things happen to him in recent years. But 
Either way, I like this fight. Yeah, this one's interesting. What else you like? Uh, I like Anthony Medeiros a lot. So that should be fighting in his home. I like the way state. Fights. Yeah, Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Plus, he's kind of like honorary two hundred nine. So <laughs> he's fighting <laughs> against uh, Charlie Leary. That's one hundred fifty five pounds. Kai Kamaka the third, another mm-hmm. Hawaiian fighting at home. I'm always interested when he fights. He's fighting Adley Edwards um, at one forty five. And man, this guy, you just keep waiting for the, him to really turn the corner. It hasn't quite gotten there yet. Aaron Pico, he's fighting back down at one forty five against Otto Rodriguez as well. I'm interested. All right. That's the Bellator business, but there is UFC on Saturday night, which takes place, you know, largely before the Strike Force fights. Or yeah, Bellator fights. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a Freudian slip. Man, I I, I miss Strike. There were so few fight Strike Force events. Do you realize that there were only like 40 Strike Force events? I remember Strike Force having a feel to it. They had a feel, man. And I know Showtime's trying to recreate that with Bellator. I just haven't got it yet. I haven't got it, but I I actually like a lot of the things Bellator's been doing in the last year or so. I think they're there's significant effort to kind of um, address some of the things that they've received criticism for very publicly. Just promote your cards. I think they're no. I would push back on you. I think they're actually trying. I think they really are right now. I haven't seen it. I have. As someone who is in the media and I work with these people, I'm hearing from them a lot more often. I think they're trying distinctly to get all of their cards to be promoted um, when they possibly can. So I'll give them the credit there. I think they're really. I think they're taking the steps. Maybe you're not seeing it, but they are. Okay. But anyway, uh, we're on UFC here. We're past Bellator and not Strikeforce. <laughs> uh, Sergey Pavlovich is the headliner against Curtis Blades at heavyweight. Um, you know how I feel about heavyweights, but this, this is a good, good one. This matchup. is a good heavyweight fight, especially if it ends quickly, which you know they all should. But uh, Sergey Pavlovich, you're kind of wondering, like, is he going to get the job done in the first? 65 seconds or so like he mm, tends to scary he's there's like a there's almost like a shane carwin feel to him you think he's gonna have that bad of a gas tank <laughs> that would be cruel um <laughs> no but but there's this kind of this like car crash element to like when he comes in there like and it's not because he's wild or something like that but man if he throws like you just kind of hold your breath like this would be the one you know it's very violent very very violent man He's going against Curtis Blades, so he's going to have to pass the wrestling test if Blades decides to go that way. He's been improving a lot with his hands, too, mm-hmm. and and flexing power. So I'm interested in this fight. I like this fight. It's a good heavyweight fight. This one's back in uh, it's again, UFC Vegas 72 we're at. Mm-hmm. I believe it is at the Apex. Yeah, it so, is. So, uh, yeah, we're back there. It's 71. It's 71? Yeah. Never. <laughs> there are too many. Uh <laughs> Shouldn't be counted anyway. UFC 277 is one thing. Like, give me, give me the numbered events, fine. But once we have to get to the, there's 72 Vegas fights. Stop it. Anyway, 72 Vegas fights at the Apex. 71, I should say. 71. Yeah. There was a, a UFC Las Vegas that was not at the Apex. Yes, because Las Vegas is different from Vegas. Mm-hmm. Very different places. Mm-hmm. Totally different. Just ask a geographer. Um, <laughs> there, I like a couple more of these fights actually, though on the on the undercard. I like Song Yadong. Who doesn't against Ricky Simone? Who doesn't? That's a good fun, hundred thirty five pound fight. Mm-hmm. There's a billion of those. One hundred thirty five pound fights are always good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that one a lot. I like Bobby Green against Jared Gordon. This is Gordon coming back from that fight, which again you and I thought was a very close fight. Could have gone either way. A lot of people feel very convinced that he should have beaten Patty Pimlet. We'll see how he responds to that against Bobby Green, real veteran here. Um, you got to think that Gordon's going to want this down, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll see if he can get it done. Bobby Green, man, he's still going. It's wild. <laughs> he's been, I mean, he fought on like an affliction card. Wow. Yeah. 
Talking about strike force. We got affliction. We got, what else we got? Cage rage will get in here. Let's just well, shout everything out. Jim Miller was on, was on IFL. We just had that sick sub from Dan Miller recently resurfaced. <laughs> yeah, you say like, oh, we just had it. Like you mean fifteen years ago? Yeah. yeah. When he when he made the guy hear his own heartbeat. Yes, it did. That, that was one. Caposa brought. I mean, no, someone else shared that, and he was talking about it. Yeah, that was it. Um, but anyway, that was mostly what I was looking forward to. Are you, you anything else you like? Uh, Muhammad Usman. Okay. Um, versus Junior Tafa, uh, glory kickboxer, uh, Justin Tafa's brother. I'm interested it's in it so much so it's as kind I, of annoying. Yeah, I'm interested in it so much as like, let's see what I want to uh, see what Muhammad, Muhammad Usman can do if he follows it up because he isn't. I, I interviewed him when he was a PFL a couple of years ago, and he. he you would think he's got the tools. He he was kind of NFL-ish caliber. I think he was trying to latch on before he found fighting, of mm-hmm. course, in the NFL. So a real standout athlete. But yeah, let's see. Hopefully get it done in under five minutes, one of you. Please. Please. And thank you. All right, that does it. We'll be back again next Monday. Break down all these fights. It's a big weekend. Super big weekend. But then after that, it starts to calm down a little bit more. And that'll be nice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Mercy. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week. <laughs>